Mount Gethsemane was the place where agony was taken to its fullest extent of the word. Christ himself was placed in a moment of trial where he felt the weightiness of his embarkment as the Lamb of God, as the one who was destined, predestined before the foundation of the world to take upon himself the sins of many. And for this podcast, I would like to briefly discuss with you and cause reflection about what Christ experienced in those final hours before he was taken prisoner by Caiaphas, the high priest, and other authorities of the Sanhedrin. When we look at this, I don't expect you to completely understand, because we will not. But it is important to know that agony is at the very core of the Christian faith, and that through the death of one man, many can find life and life in abundance. This is Sit Down and Listen. The events that occurred in Gethsemane are probably some of the most uh, distressful and agonizing for anyone to read, and they are captivating. John uh, chapter 18 verse 1 gives us plenty of background, but before that we can read Matthew 26.30 that says, And when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook of Kedron where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Jesus sings the hymn with his disciples. The original manuscript reads, when they had hymned, this was the traditional halal, which was from Psalms 113 to 118. It was the song of praise. It was usually uh, chanted by those who took part in the festival, specifically Passover. This song came to be like the conclusion of all that profitable service that Jesus and his disciples had enjoyed together those three and a half years or so. At the same time, it was like the prelude to the intense sufferings that the Lord would experience from that moment on. Christ is singing praises in the face of rejection, suffering, and death. And in the middle of our rejection, of our suffering, and in our death, as believers, as that which we were promised that we would experience, we would be neglected for the message that we carry, for the hope that is in us, are we experiencing hope? Are we experiencing an attitude of praise and of worship? That is the example that was left for us by our Lord and Savior. Then rising from their supper, him and his disciples, they went out through the eastern gate, located north of the temple. They crossed the winter of Kedron to go to the point where the same path is divided into three parts. Probably the torrent was now grown by the autumn winter and it should have been dyed a reddish color at some point in that day and the next. This had to do with the blood of the animals that were sacrificed to celebrate the Passover festival. All the Easter lambs had to be killed in the temple and their blood was poured on the altar as an offering to God for sin. The number of lambs slit for such a feast was so high that the Jews had built a canal from the altar to the, to the stream of Kadron. 
the blood spring of these atoning animals was drained through this canal. Now when the Lord is addressing the place of his agony, his, his own Gethsemane, he can see in the opening, in the opaque clarity of the night, how the blood of the lambs runs through the Kadron. He goes through it with his disciples to give his own blood for the sins of the world. It is a beautiful picture. It is the essence, Christ Jesus himself crossing over the figure, the prototype walking on the type, the light illuminating the shadow, the Lamb of God showing the end of the dispensation of death and the inauguration of a dispensation of life. It was grace going over the law. The red torrent of Kadron would then not be flowing with mere blood from animal sacrifices, but with the precious spring of Christ that would be open to us all from Mount Calvary. After walking the zigzag paths, he finally arrives in Gethsemane with his disciples. There awaited him the arena where the battle of the centuries was to be fought. Gethsemane means mill or oil press. And in the original Aramaic, it is known as the place of oil, perhaps because of the olive groves that grow there. There was an olive orchard over there where there was an installation to extract the oil from this plant. It was an orchid located at the foot of the Mount of Olives, facing Jerusalem and not far from the eastern wall of the city and the Golden Gate. It was East of the torrent of Kadron, according to Luke 21, 37 and John 18, verse 2, Jesus had visited this place many times with his disciples. But the agony of Jesus and his experience at Gethsemane goes far deeper than simple geography. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go there and pray. And taking Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to grieve and be greatly distressed. Then Jesus said unto them, My soul is very sad unto death. Stay here and watch over me. Going a little further, he fell upon his face, praying and saying, My father, if possible, pass this cup from me. But be not my will, but your will be done. Luke 24, 44 reads, And when he was in agony, he prayed more intently. And it was his sweat like great drops of blood falling to the earth. That is Luke 22:44. This was the setting for Christ's struggles with Satan, a battle to be concluded on the cross. Gethsemane recalls the battle of the first Adam with the same enemy, which was also carried out in an orchid. Do we remember that first Adam, the original Adam placed in the Garden of Eden, a place where God dwelt with him and walked the garden with him? And now Christ, the better Adam, the second Adam, is now faced with this garden scene and this Gethsemane with the same foe, Satan himself, discouraging him. In a moment of weakness, Jesus with his humanity, the agony experienced by Jesus was not caused by fear of physical death, but by the association of his death with sin. His human nature trembled at the very sight of that. And like Gethsemane means pressing down, the oil press. Sometimes our lives as those who have decided to follow and have decided to answer to the supreme call, we will also be pressed in our faith. 
There are many people all over the world, even those, especially those that don't know Christ, their faith and their worldview is being pressed now. And the weight, the weightiness of that, of that responsibility and of that reality weighs on them every day like it weighs on us. Our faith is tested. There are trials and tribulations. Jesus was absolutely right to pray in that way. If possible, please pass this cup from me. And that, they, that might be our attitude in prayer. But when he received the strength to face the will of the Father, when the soldiers came to arrest him, he was already fully aware that all of this was the perfect divine program, rebuking Peter for his bloody action against Malchus, the servant of the high guard. And he said, The cup that my Father has given me, shall I not drink it? John 18, verse 11. If the burden of imputed sin weighted so much on the soul of the Lamb of God, in what a horrible misery must sinners, souls whose sins weighs on their own heads, how much could that weight be? We ourselves, who have been attained with such a great salvation, shall we not echo the words of the writer to the Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 3, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And the aspect that brings my attention, that attracts me and pulls me in, is this. Being the Lord in those moments of pain, it was his sweat like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Luke 22:44. That was a very cold night, yet the Lord sweated in the matter in a matter that had been quoted. His sweat then did not come because of the normal effect of temperature, nor because of the fatigue that comes from the hard physical work, but under the immense pressure. The small capillary vessels of sweat glands can break and thus mix the blood with sweat. This may have been the case of our Lord, for the sacred writer speaks of sweat and blood. Jesus gave an example of what Christians should do in times of distress and in anguish, and let's not try to ignore it. Our world is under extreme calamity. But it's a beautiful thing to know that the Word of God already pre previewed it and already gave us the antidote and already gives us a victorious ending for those who are in Christ our Lord. Number one, He shows us to seek the face of God in prayer. Number two, He shows us to request the support of true friends of faith. Number three, to confirm in the heart that God is the Heavenly Father who diligently cares for His children. Number four, trust in God and entrust yourself to His will. How many Christians are there that have leaned on their own understanding and have not fulfilled the words of the writer of Proverbs to lean not on your own understanding, but trust in God? Jesus shows us an example of personal life of prayer as he would get up early in the morning to go into a lonely place to talk with his heavenly father. Before choosing the twelve, he had spent the night praying, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, after ministering all day to the multitudes, he had climbed into the mountain alone to pray, Matthew 14, 23. It gives the impression that communion with the Father was a means of renewing his spiritual strength. He prayed in the moment of victory. He spent time with his Father's presence 
as a means of preparing for his passion, his final sacrifice. So what is your Gethsemane? What is your oil press? Can I remind you that you have a victory in Christ? Can I remind you that you are more victorious? You are more than a victor in Christ Jesus. Can I remind you that even in this topsy-turvy world, there is still hope. There is still a, a, a goodness to be focused upon. And that Christ in his final hours, he did not rely on himself. But he understood his mission. And our mission is to be ambassadors to a world that is slowly decaying. But we are still salt. We are still light. And let that sacrifice that happened in Calvary still be remembered by us. Let us still die to ourselves, pick up our cross daily, and follow Him because nice and pleasant is His presence in our lives.